Well, welcome everyone to a live Wholesome Transmission recording. Radio and myself are in the same room for once, which is awesome. Radio is in Cleveland today, and we thought of doing a, a bonus episode for the season, another one. And this episode is honestly going to be talking about Pokemon Sword and Shield because we're right on the heels of those games coming out and Radio and I have both been playing them as basically as much as we have possibly been able to during this past week. So the plan today then is for Radio and I to kind of talk about starting out how we got introduced to the series and then move into a discussion about Pokemon Sword and Shield and also talk about um, some of the controversies that have come up with the game and people towards Game Freak and tackling those issues in sort of a, a very um, logical and rational perspective. So Radio, starting out um, our discussion, why don't you kind of tell us, I guess, how you got started with Pokemon? What was, you, I mean, starting at, at Gen 1 or whenever you started and then um, we'll take the conversation from there. Okay, well, actually, um, I started with Gen 1, um, so I'm one of those guys. Yeah, you know? yeah. We're talked about, complained about, whatever. Um, but actually, uh, my favorite generation in the game uh, series so far is the second one, okay. Johto. Uh, but anyways, I got into it uh, by the Game Boy, of course, mm -hmm. and um, it was my second game. Um, my first one was Link's Awakening. Um the original uh, version, not the DX version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, coincidentally, my uh, my best friend, uh, still to this day, um, Taylor, we've known each other since we were like one or two years old. Okay. <laughs> like, it's infancy, basically. <laughs> and we're still friends to this day. Well, that's awesome. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, kind of trying to keep friends like that. And so we were playing together, mm -hmm. and... Um, Really, I guess weird flex or whatever, but it was like a, a thing where it was a competition yeah. between us, and so I had probably the best experience playing the game because I had someone to play with, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, having the link cables and everything. It's so <laughs> weird to think like at that time we actually had to use cables and stuff I know. like that to trade. Yeah, and now it's just wireless and it's so nice. Yeah, it yeah, feels yeah. like a freaking like luxury. It does yeah. <laughs> So uh, that's kind of um, my first, like, I guess, how I got into it. Um, mm -hmm. how, how were you introduced? I was, that like, Pokemon Yellow is actually the first video okay. game I ever played. And it was because my older sister, who's eight years older than me, she had a Game Boy growing up. And when I was, I think, seven or eight, she allowed me to play it. So I was playing on her save file. And it got to a point where she was just like, Caleb, uh, you can just have the Game Boy. Like, you play this way more. <laughs> like, you just should have it at this point. So that's my, I mean, that was my introduction to video games and playing Pokemon Yellow. And then I do remember getting Pokemon Silver when it came out on my birthday. Um, and Same. yeah, so I, I mean, I've played all the Pokemon games since the very first generation. And it's kind of interesting because at my age of like 23, I feel like I'm not, like, I feel like a lot of other people my age have started out with Generation 1, but I don't think a lot of them did because at that point, mm -hmm. like, I, seven or eight years old is not very old. I mean, yeah, you playing yeah. Pokemon, and the Pokemon games, while they're rather easy, 
there's some level of complexity to them, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was um, it was definitely not an easy game. You couldn't no. run. You had to have patience to play the mm-hmm. game. The basically the thing that was carrying you uh, the entire time was just trying to find new Pokemon. And exactly. Catch them. Yeah. And honestly, the uh, the Western side of Pokemon did a really smart move and made a TV show about it that mm-hmm. helped carry over that fandom. Yeah. And it, it took off. It really, uh, <laughs> really well, actually. So. And I guess what I want to ask next then is what what generation like you so you were playing competitively with your friend, mm-hmm. but when did you get like into the actual competitive actual competitive scene? Yeah. And also, what are your favorite uh, generations? So um, once again, Taylor had a big influence in this. My mm-hmm. my friend, uh, since Pokemon has been a part of our lives since really early in our ages yeah it carried over uh he was more into trading card game mm-hmm. and he wanted to get into the video game side of it yeah. but he he's just really good with numbers he's really good with <laughs> card games like uh g- guy's a genius yeah. um just hands down and um so basically around high school um i think it was right after high school we even went to a regional together and um did fairly well actually um place pretty not 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 like high or anything but like hey top eight whatever i'll take it yeah 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 and um ever since then like it's just kind of been a thing for me Mm -hmm. um i really enjoy doubles yeah doubles is where it's at um i just think it it shows like the the thought and how you can make certain pokemon work together Mm -hmm. like the idea that you could um get a Yamega to like psych up to a, a Snorlax with stockpile three <laughs> stockpiles right yeah yeah and then um, this Yanmega is also getting a speed boost at the same time so it, yeah or if you're running uh, probably the better uh, ability tinted lens for it or mm-hmm. you know for people who are out that know that um, <laughs> some of our we lost, we lost a few of our listeners yeah but, yeah but continue on yeah yeah everybody's gone now bro <laughs> <laughs> But there's just a level of complexity you get from doubles. Yes, um, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, for me, I've always been a fan of, the, of singles, but I have also played every Pokemon game pretty much when it came out. And it's kind of weird because I've also not necessarily been hyped for every Pokemon game that's come out. Like, mm-hmm. it's more or less been like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I love, like, I'll play Pokemon. I've always played it. And I maybe didn't watch the trailers or read up on all the Pokemon that were revealed, but I just play the game and I've, I've had an enjoyable experience with every generation. I mean, I haven't had a single single of the games where I've felt disappointed. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe maybe I maybe there were some things that I was like, oh, why do they do it that way? But I've enjoyed every game, um, and I would say my favorite generations, black and white, is still my favorite generation, and that was for me. That was a really um, it was also like an emotional game for me because right at the time the Pokemon Black and White came out, I was super into the game. I got the game on re- on release day and got the guide for it. But that I was like that week that my grandparent, my grandma passed away. And it was really, really awful to have to deal with that. And I remember Pokemon Black was like the game that I had with me during that time that I played a bunch of. And it kind of got me through that period because I've always like related to video games and video games have helped me get through life and get social interaction through the stories they tell. So that was like a game that really, looking back, it was like that really helped me, you know? Mm -hmm. I got you. Yeah. Um, So... I already stated this. Johto was my favorite mm-hmm. um, 
generation. Reason why? Um, sure, getting to travel between two different generations was a cool thing. Being mm-hmm. able to see Kanto for yeah. people who didn't know, and uh, Johto, and which means you um, for also once again people if they don't know, uh, you can collect sixteen badges. Um, yeah. And that was really cool to me. And also getting to see your predecessor, Red, <laughs> yeah. um, who you played beforehand, and getting to beat him and see like the what he ended up with, too. Like That was really cool. I agree. And I think that they was, did that in yeah. a very cool way. So whenever I, I got Crystal, I think it was, I mm-hmm. was just like... This is, it was like, that was my like favorite game that they came up with. Yeah. Um, so of course when the remakes came out, you got, yeah, I was heavy in it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, how about you? What was your, I guess, uh, favorite experience or, um, I, I mean, black and white is still my favorite generation, but I also had a lot of fun with sun and moon and partially because I love, I love Hawaii and I love trap tropical atmospheres. I love the beach and, mm-hmm. For me, Sun and Moon was just a really fun time. Like I thought, I, I just had a lot of fun playing through the game, collecting all the Pokemon. And it, again, that game was another one where a lot of my friends were playing it too. So it was that social sort of experience as well as playing through the game with your friends and, and talking about where are you at the game and what Pokemon have you gotten? And that was that's really fun. I think that's also one of the reasons why I've really enjoyed Pokemon Sword and Shield this past week is that we've yeah. been playing the game together, catching Pokemon and talking about like the game and that adds a whole other layer to it really, you know? Well, before we uh, go into the Sword and Shield yes. uh, stuff, let's, um, including this generation, what are your favorite Pokemon in general? Just like yeah. top five. My top five would, my favorite Pokemon of all time is Mimikyu. Which is, <laughs> which is because I just love how dark it is, and yeah. I love the fact that in the anime, um, I think Team Rocket recruits a Mimikyu. I heard, I haven't watched the Sun and Moon anime, but Mimikyu just hates Pikachu so much. Yeah. I, just, I love that. It's just so fun for me. So Mimikyu is really high up there. That's my, okay. my number one. I don't necessarily know if I, I even have five Pokemon that I can say that. It's, I, it's okay. But it's okay. I, my other favorites are Jigglypuff. I'm a huge fan of Jigglypuff, um, and it's also funny because my wife's mom, um, her favorite Pokemon. She loves. She doesn't even play Pokemon, but she loves Jigglypuff. So I'm like, that's that's really fun for me. Um, and I think if I had to choose another one, I've always liked Mew, honestly, because um, I I remember growing up, I had a Mew plushie, and I was really <laughs> it was like a very treasured yeah. possession of mine. Um, so I love Mew. Um, so what about what about yours? What are your top whatever Pokemon? So I'm a little biased, actually. Okay. Um, I, I really love Steel types. Okay. Um, so I really love what they did with Mawile, especially mm-hmm. Mega Mawile. Yeah. Um, so of course I'm sad to see that go, but still <laughs> one of my favorite uh, Pokemon there. Not, not my absolute favorite. Okay. Um, Aegislash is pretty high up there right now. He's like maybe top three. Okay. Pushing top two. Nice. Okay. Um, and then... and uh, man, I'm gonna sound so cheese for this. That's okay. Uh, I really enjoy Charizard. That's fine. That's just hey. That's that, just me. There's nothing wrong with that. You are not alone in that. Can't. I, I mean, obviously not. <laughs> it's just like that was like the most typical Gen One thing I could probably say. You know. Um, <laughs> well, at least at least he's in the game. 
You know what? At least he's unique <laughs> yeah. from the other starter types. I'm no, just saying. Right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. I, I we can't I can't um, argue with that. So I don't know. I just I, I always jived with that, yeah. um, especially with the lore behind yeah. Charizard and like the Salamander kind of deal mm-hmm. and um, all that good stuff. Nice. So that's uh, that's three. Um, what's another good one? You know, I'm just gonna stop there for now. <laughs> that's fine. Hey, I only said three, so that'll be our our top three Pokemon. <laughs> um, and I guess now we'll delve. We'll start talking about Pokemon Sword and Shield. And I guess to any listeners, um, we we're not gonna talk about spoilers. We're not gonna like spoil the story or anything. Um, we are gonna kind of go into detail though about the mechanics and the wild area that's in the game. So there will be um, some spoilers in that if you want to go like blind into the game, but we're not going to like directly spoil what happens in the story. So um, I guess now starting out with Sword and Shield, just first impressions over the first week, um, what expectations did you have for the game? And then what has been your experience over the last you know six days now? Um, I tried to go into it as blind as possible. Of course I couldn't because you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm involved with a community of people who are really passionate about Pokemon. Yeah. And of course, whenever I heard about certain things like uh, the controversial ones like National Dex, I was like, oh, God, I know about it. <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, um, so going into it, I knew a couple things, but um, playing it for the last six days has been actually probably the most fun I've had <laughs> in a Pokemon game. So that's... <sighs> That's interesting. I have, I honestly have to agree with you though, because like, I mean, it, it's been such an enjoyable experience, not only because of the game itself, but because I've been talking to like you and Scrims, and I've been, I've been um, watching Soul Stream, so he's been streaming Pokemon, and it's been like I have not had this much fun with a video game. I feel like in in a couple years, honestly, like it's been a while since I've had this much pure just enjoyment playing something. That is that is for sure. So that's pretty much where I'm at with it. It's like okay. it's the most fun that I've had. There are like downsides. Like I, I feel like, and this is my critical side of yeah. it. That I feel like this could easily be game of the year if certain things were fixed. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like it's been more way more positive than negative. I agree. Yeah. And the negatives are, I mean, they're kind of subjective in yeah. a way. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, for me, I went into Pokemon Sword and Shield with no expectations because I, the only things I knew about the games before going into it was the fact that I knew I knew the starter evolutions of the three um, starters. Mm-hmm. I knew Wooloo because it's really hard. I, I think like <laughs> if, if you don't know anything about Pokemon, you did not avoid Wooloo. Like, <laughs> yeah, you had to you had to mute uh, Wooloo as soon as you saw it. Otherwise, you you yeah. were just. Drowning. I know. Yeah. So um, I know about. I knew about Wulu. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) I knew about Wulu, and then I also um, knew what else. Honestly, I think that's it. Like other than that, I knew the legendaries. That's the other thing. Is I because I saw them on the obviously the game covers, Mm -hmm. and I saw. I think that when they first announced the games, I saw the Pokemon then. But that was it. Because I mean, I've done this with um, Fire Emblem Three Houses this year as well. Is because of my job and the fact that I'm not on social media a lot, I mm. don't know about video games. Like anything that comes out, there's a good chance I know nothing about it. So I enjoy diving in blind though, because everything is just new and fascinating and interesting. So me playing the game, 
I like every Pokemon. I was like, I never saw this before. Cool. And I had an absolute blast. I mean, it's like for me playing through it, it was probably like a 10 out of 10 experience from playing through the main campaign and getting to all the, all the different badges and everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And I guess moving forward then, um, what, what were your thoughts on sort of the story of, of the game? And what did you think about the narrative? So the story, uh, I felt like they had an ocean they could jump through with how they were building it up. And I feel like they just dipped their toes in it. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, you know what? I'm going to take that back. <laughs> I don't feel like I want to swim today. Like, yeah, that's yeah. how it felt like to me. Yeah. Uh, overall, kind of like disappointed in, mm-hmm. in it. But then again, it's a Pokemon game. So I'm going to bet mm-hmm. on this. Um, most of their things that they want you to actually find, you actually have to go find. I agree. Um, so it's not put out for you like straight up. So if you're like one of those people that are like, I'm just trying to get through the game. Mm-hmm. That way I can start breeding, start my competitive team. I don't want to know anything about the sword. I just want to get through it. Yeah. Then this is actually probably really good for you because you don't have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't try to like shove it down your face or anything like that. I agree. So I think at the backgrounds, that's where you'll find all your cool interactions. Yes. Yeah. You already see that with Cursula uh, and all yeah. that good stuff. But not to spoil anything, it does have something to do with the story. Mm-hmm. It does. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree. My, my thoughts on the story were, I thought it was a rather simplistic Pokemon narrative. Mm-hmm. And I think compared to um, Pokemon Black and White especially, had a very detailed and very fleshed out narrative. And this game, it definitely seemed like it was a simplified story. But when I played through the game, also I thought... I enjoyed the story because it didn't necessarily go too in-depth. And one of the issues I have, especially as an adult now, is if it, the, a game might have an amazing story. It might be a 10 out of 10 story, but if it is a long, long game and it gets very complex, I might get turned off on it, even yeah. even so, because it's difficult for me to... I mean, if I, if I only play a game a couple hours a day, it's difficult to stay engaged with a long story like that. And one of the things I did like about Sword and Shield was I thought the the morals of the story taught were awesome like i thought it, it taught some really great things between like yes. family and and um kind of they um talked about like passing on the mantle sort of of mm-hmm. the champion and um i thought that was awesome and i think it's a good story in terms of i feel like it's complete and I, they could have gone more in depth in some areas sure but what we had i think was okay and again it's easy to get through fast enough to where it's good for both newcomers of like mm. I, I think of it as there's probably 10 year olds playing this game this is their first pokemon game and they're not going to want a, a 60 hour story you know they want probably something a little bit more bite sized or something that allows them to explore more and i feel like the game doesn't necessarily like you're not sitting in cutscenes for several hours you know yeah. so um, i think overall it, like you said, yeah, I agree. It could have been had a little bit to be desired, but overall, I thought it was oh, was good. Yeah. And you know what? To touch on that, now that you say that, the game is probably way more um, in the perspective of character development than the actual story itself, and that mm-hmm. is interesting. We we saw inferiority complex. We saw people who had second chances and yeah. a fan base behind an actual wholesome person. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that was actually really cool to see. You know, I wasn't expecting any of that. I agree. And when it comes to character development or characters in general, I think they nailed this one way better than the previous generations. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I feel like would be an underrated topic uh, as as far as like things that should definitely be noticed more. I agree. 
Yeah, I, again, I think this was way more character-driven than the, the the world itself, and the world is there, and I think that also the Pokedex entries for a lot of the Pokemon mm. are going to flesh that out and tell you about like, yep. things like that. Um, so, And then our next topic that I want to address is obviously your thoughts on the Pokemon designs and the Pokemon typing. I mean, so they added 80 new Pokemon, it looks like. There's yep. 80 Pokemon added. So what are your thoughts on, did you like them, did you not? Um, how do you felt about sort of the competitive typing of them a lot as well? So what did your take on it? So, and this may be um, arguable, of course, but I feel like this is the best, in my opinion, uh, typings and designs that we've seen in a while. Um, you're starting to see more monotypings back. Yeah. Like just the fact that we had a regular fire, regular leaf, oh. water. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying that to be basic. It's more or less like by adding on these uh, double typings, you have to have all these weird scenarios and all that good stuff. And sometimes it's just nice to have those basic mechanics to see those uh, basic things come in fruition in competitive scene. I agree. Uh, so typings wise, just like um, that that was really cool to see, and and the the double types they did add, really cool like toxicity mm-hmm. that we were talking Toxic, about. Yeah, I haven't heard a single person that disliked that thing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because it's electric poison. That's something that we haven't seen before, and it's such a neat typing. Yep. And um, so that's kind of my thoughts on it yeah. in a nutshell. How about you? What was your experience? I agree the same thing. Was I was so because I feel like since they released double typing in it was sapphire and ruby right when they first released double typing if i'm I'm not mistaken and i think was it in crystal and i don't think so it might have been crystal because skarmory if i remember correct okay yeah it might have been i honestly can't remember but i just know that since they released double typing they've just gone like it seems like they're just like every Pokemon has a double type now. Like since they were introduced that they're like everything has to have a double typing. And in my mind that like you said, it, it adds because now you have two typings with their own weaknesses. It creates a lot of weird matchups sometimes and it does complicate things. And I was refreshed to see monotypes make a comeback and I think help the the meta a bit because having just a basic water type or a basic fire type actually is awesome. Like it has a lot of advantages to it and it really helped um, the game out. So yeah, I thought this this Pokemon game had a lot of great typings. I thought the designs of the Pokemon were really good. Um, there were some which I wasn't weren't wasn't thrilled about, like some designs that I was like, ah, that's okay, but. In total and in sort of as a whole, yeah, really happy with with what they did with this generation of Pokemon. Did you find out the... No, I I couldn't find it in time. (laughs) That's okay. No, no worries. We're trying to figure out quickly what generation dual typing came in. But we'll we'll just leave that up to we don't know. (laughs) Because, yeah, I don't really remember it being in the first generation at all. No, it wasn't in Gen 1, and I don't think it was in Gen 2. I thought that it was the Game Boy Advance games that introduced it. But um, that's neither here nor there. So I guess going on, we want to talk about the breeding and sort of um, the mechanics of how you breed competitive Pokemon. and what. So you're more of an expert on the competitive scene and breeding. So what are your takes on it? This is by far the easiest and most accessible way uh, to breed a competitive Pokemon ever. ever. I agree. Ever. <laughs> Hands down. I mean, like, it's just so much easier. Yeah. So anyone can get into it. 
Um, you don't have to be uh, spending hours and hours at a time. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a working person like me and, and Pine over here, like... This is you, good. Is, this, this is, is great. Game. Yeah. This is the game where if you want to get into it, you can. Yeah. Because you know what? They also cut a certain amount of uh, Pokemon to do that. And you can um, you can experience new competitive fields where you don't have to see like the same ones One, being yeah, used yeah, over. Yeah. So, I, yeah. No, I agree. Because I, I would say, and for any listeners who maybe don't know all of the details of the competitive scene or stuff, with Pokemon games, you have a number of things that go into creating something that's actually competitively viable. First off, you need your IVs, which are your Pokemon's hidden abilities, right? And those are your hidden stats. And you need to get basically five of them perfect if you're going to have a, ch a shot in competitive. And in this generation, they made that very easy through the fact that you can do four-person raids, which those Pokemon, if they're a high rarity, are guaranteed to have at least three or four perfect of IVs, which already gives you a heads up. Um, the breeding process for getting improving IVs is simpler. And then the other issues are the nature of Pokemon, which which is, I think, easier to do in this game. You also mm -hmm. have items that will change a Pokemon's nature now, um, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, that's true. And that's a huge benefit. And then for the EVs, I think EVs are a little harder in this game to raise up than they were in some of previous generations. I remember... I think it's easier, actually. I I remember black and white. I thought it was particularly easy because you had the super training, and that would that's be true. You. So yeah. that was really good. Um, but they also made it in this game where you can purchase all the items you need to level up Pokemon to the perfect EVs instantly. Yeah, and that is the big deal breaker: is that you can very just buy your way. Yeah, you can buy your way, and the raids and the mechanics in the game make it so that that's not impossible to do. So you can, like, I think Soul said when I was watching his stream, takes about maybe 10 hours or so to get a competitive Pokemon, mm -hmm. which can be a lot of time. It does seem a little daunting, but in the grand scheme of what it used to be, that's a fraction of what it used to take to yes. breed some of these um, Pokemon. So. Lord, yes. <laughs> and and I guess continuing on with that, what are your thoughts on the wild area then? Because that that's like that's a direct tie-in to what we just discussed in terms of these mechanics. So if the game got a couple things right, like absolutely right, in my opinion. They got the concept down of the wild area, mm -hmm. and they got the concept down of breedings and max rates. Like those, combining those things all together have really helped just the game flourish. But I just agree. to talk about the wild area, being able to walk around and um, see the massive land before you, getting to see some Pokemon interchangeable, you know, like being able to see them actually walk around mm -hmm. brings so much quality of life to the game. And they didn't take out the RNG in the sense that, uh, that when the exclamation points out from the grass, you know, you can actually go to it and see what random encounter is. I agree, yeah. So that was really cool that they kept those mixture of things. That, mm -hmm. um, the wild area, I just feel like... It's, not, yeah. it's, it's really good. I feel like, um, graphically speaking, I wish maybe there was a little bit tighter yeah. on certain things. Yeah. But for the most part... The actual experience of playing it is really has good. been a joy. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think we were talking about like also some of the tree textures look yeah. look pretty bad at times, um, and that's I, and I noticed that. And some of the textures are like, yeah, this is a couple generations old, sort of in terms of the quality. But 
I agree. I think that the wild area feels alive, and I know there are some frame rate issues online, mm-hmm. and which sucks. And I think that it's really just a limitation of the Switch. Like I think like, the Nintendo Switch is an amazing console, but it's not as powerful as an Xbox One or a PS4. And I think that what Game Freak maybe wanted to do in terms of the online features um, was something that may not have been achievable at, at a super high level of polish on the Switch. Because I think that. While we have really visually stunning games like Breath of the Wild, um, Astral Chain, those are those are single player games. You're not having mm-hmm. other people run around with you, so I think that that complicates quite a few things. But um, I think yeah, I, the Wild Area is a, a fantastic addition to Pokemon games, and I really hope that we see that continuing on in the future. If they're you know whenever they make another game. Um, and now we get into the fun part. We get yeah, to talk yeah. about. So now we can talk about the controversy surrounding Pokemon Sword and Shield, and I think. I think one we could be ridiculed if we, uh, <laughs> depending on what we say. But I think that you're. We've already spoken about these in the before, and I think that our approach to them is pretty rational. So, in terms of the controversies regarding, um, and for listeners in Pokemon Sword and Shield, not all the Pokemon from previous generations are in the game. So every other game, all of them have been in all the old Pokemon and the new ones. In this generation, there's only 400, including the new ones. So there has been a significant controversy over the fact that there are not, you know, all the Pokemon in the game. So what are your thoughts on that claim? And and maybe um, what would you say to people that are are um, angry about it? I would say that. Um... I don't think it actually takes away from the Pokemon feel itself. Mm-hmm. If you want to just be able to play another Pokemon game and really just get through that and you know start from nothing and be somebody, if that's the kind of game you want to go through, you're definitely at home. Mm-hmm. If you want a competitive scene, you're definitely at home because, like I touched on this before, uh, by having the same Pokemon being the top plays, you know... Yeah. For like the past like three or four generations with a couple of newcomers or whatever, it, it started getting old. Yeah. So um, it's nice to see something fresh. I agree. Um, competitive speaking. Yeah. I I mean I know I used this analogy with you and I said that it was almost like Game Freak ripped off the bandage of, um, and they also removed some moves from the game and I feel like the moves that they removed were actually positive because some of them I felt like were redundant over time like they added us some moves that Pokemon could use that felt like basically copies of other ones. Yeah. So they simplified the system, which I think is a positive thing. Um, They got rid of Hidden Power, which I think is amazing, honestly, because that, I feel like, was... It made it very difficult because you needed to basically breed a perfect IV Pokemon to, like, an exact IV Pokemon to get a good moveset. Yeah, that was really awkward. Uh, So for people who don't know, uh, Hidden Power was a move where uh, the IVs that we were just talking about, they have to be a certain number to assign to a certain (laughs) type. So the Hidden Power could be a Steel type if you had so-and-so IVs, but they had to be very specific. They had to be very specific. Which means that you have to... You literally there. breathe the exact Pokemon with the number IV that you need. And that was... That was hard. Astronomically impossible. And it was so prevalent in the meta, too, because almost every Pokemon had um, a hidden power because if it helped them cover something that they were particularly weak to or catch your opponent off guard... Um, and I think that's, that removal is healthy. Um, but... And I... Like, so when I say ripping off the bandage, I think that... Um, For me, expecting Game Freak to keep adding new Pokemon and always having all of them in the game, 
I feel like that's a big thing to ask of a company, and especially with 3D modeling and stuff, I'm sure they could do it. They're game freak. They have the resources. They have the money. They're getting so much money from these games, whatever. But I kind of like having a smaller meta. Like, I kind of like the idea of if they did this with every Pokemon game or something, it creates this very unique experience, and it does change things up where you can't fall back on certain meta players anymore. You have to find new ways to approach the competitive scene. And I think that's healthy in a lot of ways. I think it creates a new ecosystem that's, that feels like that generation. Um, and there's still a lot of them. I mean, they got a lot of the fa- fan favorites. You're not going to, you know, Pikachu's in there. Charizard's <laughs> in there. I mean, you know, the, I feel like a lot of those are. And unfortunately, I know some people's favorites aren't. And I'm sure that there are a lot. And I, under, I understand the complaints of people about the national decks and not every Pokemon being in the game. I think, though, that... Um, for what you're getting out of Sword and Shield, it's still a great game regardless. Um, and I guess the second controversy is the the fact that there now it was discovered that Game Freak, they they had reused the models of Pokemon in the game, even though they had claimed that they were new. And my take on it is just, I mean, well, that's just that that's on Game Freak. I mean, they, I mean, it seemed to me that they did blatantly lie about it, at least from what I I could read up on it. Um, which is, I mean, yeah, that's that's unfortunate. And I don't know if they, um, I don't know if they thought that they. I don't. I have no idea about <laughs> about what maybe happened, but it sucks. <laughs> and what did, what do you think? Um, for me, I mean. If I was just to take the facts of what was said and what was shown, I'd have been easily just saying, yeah, they obviously lied, and that was a really bad move on their part. Yeah. Now, what I want to know is um, the follow-up for that of how they meant that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we did change certain little triangle uh, stuff that was on their face on a couple of them or whatever. Yeah. Or maybe we changed the textures or the faders, and that's what we meant. That's what I was. Yeah, that's and what I'm curious I just, about. I wonder if it wasn't a mistranslation, but maybe just the absolute worst wording for what they were actually <laughs> trying to say because they were just trying to save face for yeah. what was coming. I agree. I think that, I mean, that could have very well been the case. Maybe they just spoke, they chose the wrong words. I think that there was a sense of tr- maybe misleading, um, trying to, maybe they're trying to impress players by saying, hey, look, we are doing all we can in this game. Like, we are putting in, and I'm sure the people at Game Freak are working, like, 70-plus hours a week. Like, they must, you know, the, getting ready for this game must have been crazy on the company. So I'm sure that for them, it felt disheartening to be like, wow, yeah, we're working really hard in this game, but the outside community is thinking it needs to be this much higher, though. You know, yeah. it needs to be the, and it, maybe if they took an extra year to release Pokemon Sword and Shield, it may have been that. You know, we don't know, but um, I I think that it, it's unfortunate. But I think as a whole, um, I I still think they knocked it out of the park. Really, Pokemon Sword and Shield. I think it's a really awesome game. And um, just to touch on that a little bit more. Um, I think honestly, they were trying not to change too much. They already changed a bunch. They already added just just the wild area on its own was a huge, uh, in in some cases, a risk. Even though it was something that most Pokemon fans have wanted, uh-huh. just kind of like an unspoken rule in a way. Yeah. Uh, so, I think in this case, this is only going to help 
future Pokemon games flourish. So they're going to say, okay, we know what worked on this one. We can uh, we can improve and keep this in the next game. And maybe all the things that we were looking for in, in this game are going to be there in, in the next yeah. game for sure just because they know what's going to work. They're trying to take certain baby steps. I mean, they're Pokemon. They're going to they're gonna yeah. be safe as crap about it. I agree, yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're the number one franchise. For <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. No, they are. They are. And I agree. I think that another thing that I don't, I don't think we touched on is the fact that I think people were expecting this to be that next step in Pokemon. Yeah. And this certainly, Pokemon Sword and Shield feels like they took a portable Pokemon game and took it to the extent of what they could do. Um, but I think people were expecting it to be a console-esque game in terms of the quality. Like, they were like, I want Skyrim, but Pokemon. You yeah. know, like, they're thinking they're thinking that, and I think that maybe, I don't think that was Game Freak's intention from the start, and I think that if they do, that will be the next generation, and I, I hope that that's the case. We don't know, but um, I guess in conclusion then, one out of ten score, or maybe not one out of ten, but your impressions on the game in terms of do you recommend it to people pick it up if they've played Pokemon games in the past or if they're new to the series, and um, your personal opinion on it. I think people should definitely give it a chance. Um, personally, for me, I give it an eight point five. Okay. It's not quite nine material for me because there's certain things I want them to fix before I can give it that score. Yeah, like I said, like it could be easily game of the year. It could be right up there with Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they fix those things, I think it could easily get that score for newcomers or even past uh, people um, looking to think about maybe trying the game or mm-hmm. just too stubborn to because of issues. Um, I think they should just do it anyways, and they'll find that they'll still enjoy it. Um, and for newcomers, I think they'll just fall in love with the experience. I agree. Yeah, I, my my personal opinion, I agree with everything you said, and I give it nine out of ten. And I think that's also one because I'm not as critical <laughs> as you because I just have fun with things, and that's yeah. that's no discredit to you, obviously, because I think that you um, you have a higher standard in things, which is good. I honestly don't sometimes, but. It's 9 out of 10 for me, and I agree. If you are new to the series, returning, um, give it a shot. And I think that I I want to say to anyone listening who is very frustrated with these things, I agree. I understand the frustrations with Game Freak and, and the controversies that have happened. But I think at a fun level, it is high up there. And at a competitive level and enjoyment overall, um, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. I think that the game is beautiful um, in a lot of the scenes, especially on the routes. Um, the, the wild area has some graphical issues here and there, but the game just is is stunning at times. You know, It really does take your breath away, and the, the characters are, are good overall, and I think you'll have a good time. So, um, yeah, and... I, for our listeners, this has been a very impromptu episode of our show that we put together um, just because radio's in town and we have had Pokemon on the mind. And, um, you know, we're really glad for uh, you listening. Again, we will be releasing Nine Whole Grains episode on Thanksgiving Day. So look forward to that. And we will um, see you guys around. <laughs>